Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I said, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Hello and welcome to the Tales from the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Bob, here with my co-host, Brittany. Hey guys, what's up? Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I finally watched Avatar for the first time in my life. Now, are you talking Avatar The Last Airbender or the Blue Avatar movie? The Blue Avatar movie. I've already watched The Last Airbender. What What is the base? I've never seen The Blue Avatar. Maybe I did it when I was a, a kid, but what is, what's that movie actually about? It's a it had a big ass following for a while and I just never got around to watching it. Well, um, I, I'm pretty sure for before the Avengers, that was like the top grossing film of all time. Right. It's basically, it goes along like every space movie where humanity tries to extend its life and, and find a habitable planet and they find a civilization there. Okay. Basically you have a hero spoiler alerts. You have a hero who doesn't seem like I, a hero in the beginning. I think the movie's been out for like 20 years or something crazy. So. It's not been that long, but yeah, spoiler alerts. Uh, it might've been actually, I don't know. Hero who you don't figure is going to be a hero in the end, uh, goes to civilization, somehow becomes special and is the only one who can infiltrate said civilization. His whole mission is to gain secrets so the military can destroy them and get what they want, which is always money and resources. What? That's not at all like real life. <laughs> hero our, falls our in love with a girl hero hates that he betrayed the girl and the and the civilization becomes one with them fights again against his own race and interesting and in the end they win but yeah i you know it really made me question like why is every sci-fi movie the same when it comes to this kind of stuff? Like, yeah. would humanity really do that? Yes. Yes. 100%. We've done that to our own race. Like, we have killed civilizations off on planet Earth. Why wouldn't we go out and do the same thing for other people who look more different than us? Okay. That's, I mean, that's terrible, but that's. It's true. Completely accurate. Yeah. It's true. Like, if anyone thinks that we wouldn't do that, unless you completely uninvolve the military and the government like that's that's what's going to happen oh yeah 100 percent. see that's get, probably why the aliens don't want to talk to us that's a fair point they're like hey like historically speaking these guys are assholes have you guys seen fucking avatar we're not <laughs> letting that happen to us you, you know i what i love was uh i can't remember who joe rogan had on his podcast but he's like uh you know the usa is like the tijuana of our galaxy that why we see so many aliens in the u.s is because they're getting fucked up and coming here on the weekends and like, Hey, like, you know, cause that's, that's the stereotypical thing that, you know, middle-aged dads do. They get fucked up and go to Tijuana and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. It's just aliens getting fucked up off like Bud Light seltzer 
and traveling across the galaxy. Like, what are those? What are those little monkeys doing? You want that piss beer they got on planet Earth? Yeah, let's go there. Bud oh, Light man. all the way. Yeah, see, I didn't know that movie had so many like just stereo. Like that plot line just seems like very stereotypical of every other. Forty sci-fi. minutes into the movie, I was already predicting how it was going to go. And I think it's because I I love sci-fi. Yeah, I've read a lot of sci-fi and I've watched a lot of sci-fi movies and. Well, I know a big part of that movie wasn't necessarily the story. It's, I think it's James Cameron's Avatar, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was more like the uh, mo- like 3D modeling and stuff of the Avatar people. I mean, it was really good, especially for the time that it was made. Yeah. But that was also a weird concept because like, you take, you take your brain, you, you lay in a pod, and you put it into an empty vessel that looks like these, these beings. So it's kind of like the Matrix. Basically. Interesting. Like they literally create like in a faux fetus chamber, like, like a water chamber. Yeah. So basically basically, basically the matrix. Yeah. They grow these beings. They mixed it with the avatar. It's not really what their name is, but the blue people and then human genes, they mix it together. So their brains would be compatible. But then like when they leave, when they leave the body of the avatar, it just falls to the ground. It has no animation, no nothing. It has no activity whatsoever. Yeah, it's that's literally the fucking matrix. Yeah, interesting. There are some film buffs out there. When like I can just hear them like, it's not the fucking matrix, Bob. It's Avatar. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it right now. We're gonna get at least three comments. Like, how the fuck have you not watched Avatar? What is going on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So also a uh, big props. Thank you, Miss Brittany, for joining us. I know you just got off work like 20 minutes ago. Hey, you, how you, you doing? You came home, went straight to the studio to get this up. And kind of speaking of like sci-fi s creatures, this one has been requested since I was doing YouTube videos, like pre-podcast. I was getting comments being like, Bob, what do you think the beast of Bray Road? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. I've never heard of this thing before. I don't, I don't have an opinion. Yeah, I haven't either. What are you talking about? So we've covered a lot of like weird cryptids on this channel, but we've never really touched werewolves all that much. No, we've talked about Dogman and things like that, but werewolves itself, we haven't touched. So depending, so the interesting thing about this cryptid is depending on who you ask and what article you read, you'll get a seven foot, six to 10 foot tall, but seven foot seems to be the most widely accepted werewolf-esque hybrid creature. But some people say it looks like a Burmese mountain dog or great Pyrenees or whatever. Pyrenees, yeah. yeah. And then some have described it as a bear a skinny bear that walks on its hind legs. So there's a lot of differing opinions on what this thing actually looks like. Interesting. Yeah. There's no like Mothman statue. You can go visit for the beast of Bray road. But before we get you know into this too deep, I found these, uh, these reviews on TripAdvisor when right. I was looking up information. Okay. And so understand, you know, uh, here, you know, we, we like, we like our hell. You're here. Tell us in the dark. And both of these reviews predate Hellier, like before they've been working on the project. And this is from Greg and Dana Newkirk, uh, like reviewing the road that this beast was sighted on. Okay. <laughs> so this is Greg's review. This is a great local legend and visiting it provides some fun insight into the stories of dogmen terrorizing the Midwest. The road is definitely more populated than you might've been led to believe, but it's a neat photo op. Nonetheless, do be cautious. If you visit after dark, we did. And the police were there in less than 10 minutes to ask us what we were up to. It didn't help that I was wearing a full body fursuit. What? <laughs> and my favorite thing. Why? I, I wasn't even looking up the new Kirks or any of that. I was literally just looking up information on the beast of Bray road. And that just popped up. And it, the funny thing is it's like in the top five, if you just type in like beast of Bray road history, it's in like the top five results that you're going to find. Oh my God. And then it's funny. Cause I can, I can definitely see like a me and you in this because this would be the Brittany review and it's also the Dana Newkirk review and it's I'm seeing some parallels I don't love I'll be honest (laughs) so this is Dana's review if you do visit make sure not to linger on the road for too long or else there's a very good chance the police will come and ask you what you're doing when you have to tell them that you're looking for a mythical monster beast you're gonna feel very silly I may or may not be speaking from personal experience here still a very neat place to visit <laughs> that that is me and you in a nutshell right there. Yeah, fursuit and all. I, I'm gonna have to monitor your Amazon cart from now on. Okay, so first and foremost, don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just like the the fucking cat mitts that you okay. ordered. So we were on a trip doing some filming for Patreon. If you guys want to see what we were filming, you guys want to see this like pretty cool project we have working on, go to patreon.com slash tales from the dark, join. 
we were doing something for Patreon and our sleep schedules were fucked because we had to stay up all night to get this filming done properly. Right. So we're doing some filming and I was laying, first off, we stayed in this Airbnb with like two quote unquote queen size beds. It felt more like twin. That Brittany and I, we had to sleep in separate beds. So I felt like we were in like olden times and I was very upset about that. <laughs> so I'm like laying there and I could hear Brittany snoring in the other room and I couldn't sleep. And something, I don't know if it came across TikTok or something, it popped in my head of like, you know, my fat cat scratches me a lot. I know it would fix this problem. Cat mittens, cat socks. Yep. So I proceeded to order, I think it was like six different pairs of cat socks for our cats that they've worn for a total of two minutes. Yeah. And the funny thing is you didn't even tell me, you didn't bring it up. You didn't tell me that you did that. We didn't talk about it the next day. no. We didn't talk about it the next day. You told me on delivery day. <laughs> well, because my thought was, if I tell you early, you're like, hey, cancel that. They're not going to fucking wear those. And I'm like, I'd be like, watch. So I, I knew if I avoided that conversation, I wouldn't look like an idiot. <laughs> but here we are. But here we are still finding remnants of the cat mittens every time we move a piece of furniture. Yep. So let's talk Beast of Bray Road here for a second. Sounds good. Okay, so this article, it was actually funny. I, I read... I don't know, 40, 50 articles on this, like no exaggeration, different Reddit posts, watch some YouTube videos, trying to figure out where had the, like the, the not condensed information, but had the most information that really sounds off what this creature is. Right. Funnily enough, Bella online, which is the, the website known for being the voice of women had the most detailed beast of Bray road article out of all of them. Okay. I mean, this one like destroys the cryptid wiki. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm excited to get started. Yeah, so, okay, this is what they have to say about the Beast of Bray Road. On a country road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, called Bray Road, there have been sightings of a werewolf-type beast since 1936. I'm going to stop you real quick. Elkhorn okay. is one of those words of power. Yes, that Elkhorn come up Elkhorn City in, Ke- in Kentucky has a lot of high strangeness yeah. in the surrounding area. Elkhorn Village across the pond had a rash of UFO sightings in the 70s. Yep. Interesting. That's I, I, didn't, I didn't put two and two together until right there, so good job. Uh, so anyway, there have been a sighting of, were- of the werewolf-type beast since 1936 with a rash of sightings beginning in the late 1980s. The animal is described as a hairy, wolf-like animal that walks on its muscular hind legs. He has human-like hands and feet, is extremely large. The wolfman ranges from 5 to 8 feet in height, but some people say 7 to 10 is more likely, and weighs upward of 700 pounds, if not larger. That's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, The beast is often accompanied by the putrid odor of decaying meat. He often stares at his witnesses and appears to be very intelligent. The uh, Bray Road beast has been called the most famous of the American werewolves with many reported and documented sightings. And I have some sightings that go along with it here, but I want to kind of take a, take a second and step back. So the putrid meat smell. Very common with Bigfoot sightings, Very different type of Bigfoot sightings. Yes. And I know there's a lot of cryptozoologists out there who think the beast of Bray Road is just like a cousin of the Bigfoot or it's a more either it's either a more developed or a less developed version of what we begin to, what we know of the North American Sasquatch. Right. But aren't there reports of it walking on four legs as well since they compared yes. it to dogs? So that's the interesting thing is there's a couple stories of it chasing cars like it kind of walked up to the car. And as it got closer, naturally, the people in the car freaked out and they drive away. Then it chased them on four, like on four legs, upwards of 85 miles an hour. Yeah, that's that's not Bigfoot territory, in my opinion. I mean, Bigfoot, from reports and what I've read and seen online and what we experienced at the the disc golf course. Yeah, it can run very fast on two legs. I I don't think I've heard of a report of a Bigfoot running on all fours. Yeah, that that stuck out to me. And and then the intelligence, the watching of the the people that are passing by. There are a bunch of uh, where the footprints end, volume one and two. They go into this pretty deep where they discuss that Bigfoots often will watch their prey, not necessarily like stalking, but it's they want you to notice that you're being noticed type of deal. Mind games. Yeah. And so that kind of rang true with this story a little bit. And it's, and it's interesting to me because, again, it foots the bill of a Bigfoot with the exception of the werewolf Aspects. criteria. Yeah. yeah and, and that's where it's interesting. That's where we get some overlap. And again, you know, this isn't a United Strangeness episode, but that's kind of the purpose of that whole series is to find these overlaps. So it's very interesting. But then if we go back to our conversation of the trickster phenomenon. What if this is just a Bigfoot presenting itself as a werewolf? 
just enough variation to make you question and say, no, nah, it's not the same. Yeah. So, you know, that, that conversation has to be brought up as well. And that's where you can get to some tricky territory of like, well, what if it's all fake or it's all the same thing? Right. So let's continue on with some of these like firsthand encounters. Okay. Uh, Mark Shackleman worked as a night watchman and as a convent near Jefferson, Wisconsin, one night in 1936. So he, he worked there for, I think, 15 years, but this instance happened in 1936. And this is when he encountered a werewolf-type creature clawing at a Native American burial mound. The creature ran off when he was approached by the night watchman. Another night, Shackleman saw the beast digging at the burial mound. The wolfman stood up and looked directly at him, staring into his eyes, gazing longingly to a point that he almost felt hypnotized. So this, uh, the night watchman was over six feet tall and this thing towered over him. So that's when you get into the seven, eight foot category. Uh, it was over seven feet tall and hairy with a muzzle, long fangs and pointed ears. It smelled terrible, but in this encounter, unlike any others, the creature spoke. He growled one word, Godera, G-A-D-A-R-R-A-H. He looked at Shackman for a very long time before walking away slowly from the frightened man, never breaking eye contact. Mr. Shackman is considered to be a significant that this Gardara is mentioned in the Bible as the place where Jesus encountered a uh, demon-possessed man. So it's interesting that he, because a lot of people who like reference this particular sighting, says it matches a lot of Bigfoot housing growls that have been caught on tape, like caught on EVPs or caught you know, on audio recorders. And there, you know, your mind will do something called audio matrixing. And you see this a lot in ghost hunter shows. If you ever notice when you're watching you know, ghost adventures, if you're watching taps, whatever. If you close your eyes and you don't read the subtitles, it yeah. sounds like something completely different. And then each time, if it's not very clear, EVP, yeah, EVP, yeah. It, it can sound like something different each time. But exactly. the second you see those letters on that screen, that's what you hear. Yep. And your mind memorizes it and it will actually start to fill in blanks. There's been a bunch of studies. A Harvard uh, group did a study on this as well where it's proven once you, you know, your mind assumes that what the noise you're hearing means A or B, it will almost, it will, it's almost nearly, it's nearly impossible to unhear that A or B. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely very common. And also if it, if this creature was speaking in a language he did not understand. Yes. I mean, it, it could have definitely been misinterpreted, but it could also be a demon possessed man. I mean, it could be either or. So the other interesting thing is, is this goes, this story, this official sighting was 1936. That's the first quote unquote official sighting of the beast of Bray road. But something interesting came up when I was doing my research. Okay. So during the time that we were settling in Elkhorn near and around the location where the beast of Bray road would now be popularized, there was a native American settlement there. And the settlers and the native Americans had a very like open trade agreement. There wasn't a whole lot of violence, that kind of thing. But one thing kept happening on both sides in both camps. A canine-like entity was phasing in and out of reality, basically, killing people and then vanishing. And both sides had stories of seeing this canine-like creature. They described it as a large dog, like a giant dog-like beast, not quite the size of a bear, but pretty close, would come out of nowhere during logging trips or during uh, Rick runs to and from town or out to the fields would show up out of nowhere would massacre somebody and then disappear. So they don't ever call it the beast of Bray road back then, but there, there is, was a history of this dog creature in the area or of a dog creature. And so what a lot of cryptozoologists think happened is whatever that creature was, it wasn't vanishing. It was just very quick. And what was happening is the beast of Bray Road is the result of you know it being bred over and over and over, and he's the last of that line of giant animals. I mean, that could be it. I don't know what kind of trading the Native American tribe in particular did, but I know there had to have been good hunters, and if hunters witnessed this and yeah. saw this, they would be able to see some kind of movement where whether it ran through bushes, you would see the leaves flip back or something. So what was really interesting is that when one of these instances, I believe it was a child uh, around nine or 10 years old was being taught to hunt on the settler side. The child just disappears and they could hear it. They could hear the child screaming. They went and got a native American tracker. The native American tracker tracked it into the center of this forest patch. And then it just disappears. No tracks of the boy or the beast past that point in the forest. 
Yeah, I was going to say the moves too quick. Yes, some things do move very, very quickly. But more often than not, as long as your vision is obstructed in any kind of way, like darkness or, or yeah. bad vision, you can always seek some kind of remnants of it. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing is we kind of have a history of this in this location. But again, it the, could it doesn't have to be the same one. It yeah. could just be similar. Exactly. And the beast that they describe doesn't walk on its hind legs and it's not this large. Because they the the original stories that I was able to find, which were few and far between, they describe it as smaller than a bear. Well, this beast of Bray Road being seven feet tall and 700 pounds, that's about the size of, I think, again, Alaskan Kodiak bear, right? Yeah. So um, somewhere around, somewhere around there. So, yeah, you know, not, it seems to be too different than what the one that they noticed or that they had an encounter with, but still similar enough to bring up. Yeah. It's always interesting when you have like some kind of a history with this sort of stuff. Right. So back to some of the actual Beast of Bray Road firsthand encounters. Uh, Kim Del Rio was seven years old in 1977 when she saw a giant animal in her neighborhood. It had human fingers, bushy hair, big teeth, big hands, and was very nervous and twitchy. That's how she described it. Kim was hypnotized to help remember more details of the incident. She seemed a little startled that she had forgotten how nervous the creature appeared to be. So that's basically it. She knew she saw something she had brought it to her family and her family was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. So then it became a repressed memory. Yeah. It became a very repressed memory. They took her to a hypnotist and then they were able to find out not only did you see this creature, but this is everything that you have forgotten. Okay. So pretty, pretty interesting here. So going forward in time a little bit, uh, one autumn night in 1989, a young woman, Lorraine and Drizzy was driving home from work on Bray road off to the side of the road. She saw what looked like a, a person bent over. She was just a few feet from the being when she realized the person had fangs, yellow eyes, pointed ears, and a long snouty face like a wolf. The creature was very powerfully built with rather strange human-like arms and hands, but there appeared to be claws at the end of the fingers. When describing it later, she referred to the creature as a freak of nature because it threw a giant rock at her car that was later recovered by local state, like local and state police. What the fuck? And the interesting thing is the rock that they found, they said was over 1,400 pounds nearly in the center of the road. Okay. That's weird because I, so I, I couldn't find the exact location of where this happened, but I did look on Google Earth and Google Maps at the Bray Road location. There's not a mountain there, like a mount, like that a landslide that happened. What a lot of people say happened was a local like uh, stone cutting company came through and it just fell off the back of the truck. Right. And since no feasible way to pick it up without heavy machinery. Yeah. They just, it just laid it there. there. So that, that was the official explanation, but she's adamant that this creature picked it up over its head and threw it at her when she was driving away. That's weird that it got aggressive like that right off the bat. Well, so she, again, she got within a couple of feet of it. She made eye contact and then she just bolted. Oh. Where in a lot of these other stories, they were hypnotized, slow down, stunned. Yes. So I don't know. It's, it's weird because we're, slowly just layering on different attributes of other cryptids and other just weird phenomenon. Yeah. So that, you know, the, the ability to hypnotize is just that's, that's out there. Um, so I got a couple more I wanted to go over before we dive into kind of the more historical aspects of this thing. Well, the hypnotize isn't necessarily out there. And the reason why I say that is because there's different types of hypnosis um, there's intentional hypnosis, like, you know, that you go to a therapist for yeah. to find repressed memories. And then there's a different, when it comes to high strangeness and it comes to cryptids and, and things like that, I don't think of it as a weapon, like that they actively use and know that they have. I think of it as something, it's a response from our brain, the uh, the freezing. Oh, yeah, like paralysis by fear. Yes, okay. the freezing. Um, And maybe that is their interpretation of that. Um, you know, your brain is telling you to stop and, and freeze and what the fuck is that? And you don't know how to act and you don't how to know how to go. Yeah. Um, especially something that has, as she quoted, a, a, a powerful build. Um, it's intimidating. It's a predator when it comes down to, when you break it down to simplistic terms that aren't just a high strangeness. It's not just yeah, a cryptid. Like predator versus prey, basically. Right. It's, it's a predator. It's, it's that situation where you figure out, 
maybe I'm not on top of the food chain. This thing could very easily chase me down. It threw a giant boulder at my car. And then, then your fight or flight receptors. That, that's a very interesting point. I wonder now how many cryptids have been misidentified or misattributed with, with, hypnosis. with having, you know, paralysis or hip, hypnotic abilities when in actuality, the person was just scared shitless and, and, and was, you know, standing still. Right. That's, that's a really good point, Brandon. I never thought of it like that. Okay, so we got a couple other ones here. The interesting thing here is that there's no shortage of firsthand encounters with this thing. That's the one thing off the bat that I want to say. It's like it's its territory. It doesn't give a fuck if you're there or not. Yeah, which unlike the Mothman, you know, we talked very at, at lengths that they went as far as like having hunting groups out looking for the Mothman out in what we now know as the McClintic Wildlife Area. So it's very interesting to me that there's like I have uh, two more pages full of firsthand encounters with this thing. And as you know, Brittany, just trying to research any of this stuff for United Strangeness, you're hard pressed to find more than one or two firsthand encounters. Right. It's definitely very uncommon. Yeah. So just going to keep that in mind going forward as well. This creature doesn't seem to be shy like other cryptids that we've dove into. Right. Okay. So in the winter of 1992, Tammy Bray, interesting Bray Road, her last name is Bray, saw the same beast her husband had encountered three years previously when she was driving home from work around 10.30 p.m. a few miles from Bray Road. The wolfman crossed the road in front of her. Her description matched all the previous sightings, but she did ask that it walked strong in front, more slouchy, sloppy like in the rear when it was walking on four legs. But when it stood straight up and pointed at her vehicle, it was completely strong, on its, like basically on its hind legs. So it seems to struggle a little bit walking on all fours, walking on all fours. Like it sounds like, like if I got on the floor right now and try to crawl on all fours, my legs would go bow ways. Like you could do it, but you couldn't do it nearly as efficiently Efficiently. as running on your hind legs. Right. Interesting. Yeah. This, this one's weird. And again, the encounters, the other weird thing is with the Mothman, you know, he was described as black, then gray, then brown, then black, it had red piercing eyes, had sonar, had all these weird things. These all seem to be pretty one-to-one with one another. But then that adds to one of the explanations is that what they're actually seeing is just a large wolf. Or mutated in some way. Yeah. yeah. And, and mass hysteria is kicking in and they're thinking about, well, I've heard all these stories about this wolf supposedly out here. That's what I saw. And I, I mean, I don't foresee a fucking boulder being thrown. That's the one story that just stands out more than the rest. I'm if like, there's not a mountain about? nearby, a rock isn't going to bounce up off the flat ground and, and land in the road. Yeah. Now there, there very well may be a hill nearby, but again, as the problem with like the Google street view is you're pretty limited to what you can see. Right. I just, when I was reading the stories, I wanted to kind of put myself in that situation. So I was, but I didn't see like an Eastern Kentucky style mountain that would make sense for a landslide to occur. Right. So the, again, these sightings continue for, you know, they go on and on and on. But a few months after that encounter, several horses were found in their pastures with their uh, throats sliced wide open, most of which had been drained of blood. Some hadn't been, but the meat hadn't been touched. Just blood. So when we think about the, you know, the stereotypical werewolf, there are several stories of werewolves drinking the blood of humans or animals. So that stands out more for the werewolf side. Right. The, the problem is w- the term werewolf has been so misconstrued over the years and the, the true just, loss it, of the word. It's hard to know what attributes actually belong with the historical werewolf and what has Hollywood pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. Changed our minds on what werewolves should be. Right. I, and I'm having that struggle right now because the image that keeps popping up in my head is like shit from Resident Evil. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, my first thought, Village. and, and I, I hate to fucking say this, but like, the twilight werewolves were the first thing that I kind of went through, but then I was like, well, they aren't werewolves. It, it, they're, they're wolves. Yeah. And I was like, well, they wouldn't, they also, they hate the vampires drinking blood. So they wouldn't do that. Then I'm like, well, shit, I have to look back on vampire culture and figure out, you know, what's or, actually, sorry, werewolf culture and figure out what's actually applicable to this and what's just been changed for Hollywood. Yeah. That's definitely one of those subjects. It's very hard to train your brain and not think twilight or, or yeah. true blood or, any of these, you know, American Werewolf, any of those. Yeah. And the other thing that's weird is when they uh, investigated, they had the sheriff come out and investigate the horse pasture. Okay. None of the horses showed any signs of alarm. Like, okay. And they were, they, the so two out of the four were in the same pen. And one was clearly dead several hours before the other one. And they almost, they didn't say it in the report, 
but they said everything but that these horses were in like a trance-like state. But see, that goes more towards what we've heard about UFOs. Which we'll get into later. Yeah, the ability to control emotions and beings, whether well, that be animals or humans. You know, the first thing that came into my mind when, when you know, I was thinking about this trance-like state was Skinwalker Ranch. Right, and the bull yeah, that well, they had to transport. Well, they had, I think, I think it was three or four bulls they put in this small cattle pen that they said, you know, no rancher was getting them in there by himself or even with help. And these bulls just suddenly woke up because, I mean, we both know horses. You're, you're not sneaking into a horse pen in the dead of night, killing one of them, and they're just standing still. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, well, there goes Jerry. Yeah, and that's the weird thing is there was no evidence that these horses had even moved. because Like they stood completely still for hours on end. Yeah, because where they had fallen, so how the investigation part, I, I didn't want to dive too far into, but I have to explain this part. How they determined this was they had caked up mud, like on the ankle, and that From mud, standing still. Yeah, and that mud had dried, and then you could very clearly see where they had fallen over. Gotcha. So, again, could this have been some, you know, crazy kids doing mischief? Maybe. But, but, but who I, the fuck's going out being crazy kids and killing horses? Yeah, like that, like, you know. And how do you get them to stay still? Because even if you put them, like, hit them with tranquilizer, they're not just going to stand up. Yeah. and They're going to fall over. The other weird thing is, like, you know, growing up, like we grew, I grew up around a lot of farms. So we went cow tipping and stuff. We would never dream of harming any of these farmers animals. Cause that, that's a way to get shot and killed. That's a way to get shot and killed to go to those farms in the first place. Yeah. So, so I can only imagine that this wasn't, wasn't the group, you know, it wasn't a bunch of young kids or teens out, you know, looking for a thrill. And that explanation falls short when they were standing still. And one had been dead for a lot longer than the others. Right. I don't know. It's weird. Cause we don't, apart from the cattle mutilation stories, we don't hear about animal mutilations very often at all. Yeah. So again, I, I understand how they would instantly associate this with the local beast. So, okay. So in the Honey Creek area of Wisconsin, a family on their way home from a Friday night fish fry spotted something in the bridge in front of their vehicle. It turned toward the car and stared at the men before jumping off the bridge. It should be noted. This beast never stared at the women. The red haired beast was over seven feet tall and weighed at least 700 pounds they got out of the car and they looked over the uh, over the ridge, like the, the side of the bridge. Yeah. They saw it swimming at the top of the water. And they said it was going faster than any of their land speed or their uh, their land cruiser bass boats could go. So that's that's pretty fucking weird, right? So now it's an Olympic swimmer. Got it. Yeah. But again, when was the last time we covered a, a cryptid that was known to hop in the water and swim away? <laughs> I couldn't tell you like this, this one just, it's weird. It's almost like somebody played cryptid bingo. It was like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. And just added every attribute to like, okay, well this, this cryptid's better than Mothman and the Kentucky goblins because it can swim. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this one. Do you think if we ever find a way to actually communicate with cryptids, they would be eligible for the Olympics? Why was I just thinking I wonder what a cryptic cryptic Olympics would be like. I mean, same wavelength. Mothman will be bringing home the long jump. Oh my god, that's cheating! Bigfoot and the shot putting discus and wrestling. Yeah, this guy's our Olympic swimmer. He, you know, put him up against Michael Phelps any day. Who's gonna do the ice skating? Oh, Yeti. Either that Alaskan Bigfoot that we covered. Mm Hmm. Or I, I, don't, I would say Kentucky Goblins because they're I, I was small. about to say, I feel like the Kentucky Goblins could fuck up an ice rink. Yeah, because they're small. They can, so, they somebody can get maneuver. Geraldine on the phone. Let's see if she can put us in line with it. We don't even want to, we don't even want to film them. We just want to put them on ice skates. <laughs> we need to see this theory. Uh, that's why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, some cryptozoologists suggested this werewolf creature might be related to the Shunka Wakon, a wolf-like beast that's said to live in the forest of the upper Midwest. It's Iowa native name, uh, Native American name actually means carrying off. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dogs. That's what the, the name translates right, to. Right. So I, I researched this thing. The problem is the way that the natives describe that, it's what we know as a grim. It's a harbinger of doom. When they see it nearby, they know that they're gonna have fe- they're gonna have famine, they're gonna have death. They're basically, yeah, they have, they're gonna have death. They have to protect the livestock at all costs when this thing is nearby. Sickness. Yeah. So it's I understand again why you would come to that solution, but I don't think it's the same thing. I, I really don't here. No. So, okay, so this is kind of how it, how it gained popularity, the Beast of Bray Road. So very similar to what we know of Mary Hire over in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. This beast had Linda Godfrey, who is an investigator and author of several books about the Beast of Bray Road, uh, and she actually named the creature. Uh, she was con- convinced of the, sens- uh, the sincerity of the witnesses when she was talking to them during her investigation. They genuinely felt they had seen something very unusual and they were very frightened about what they had seen. And she even noticed how they weren't very open initially. And it took a lot of warming up. Like it was a long coercion. Yeah. For them to be like, well, okay, so I didn't tell you about this part because you're going to think I'm crazy. That kept popping up a lot during her investigation. And she was also a local news reporter. So very reminiscent of what happened over in Point Pleasant. Right. Uh, so one witness she talked to was a young girl who had been treed by the creature behind a barn on her family's farm near Bray Road. She said the beast spent almost an hour trying to get up the tree to get to her. That's weird to me that it chased her up a tree and continued. Like this is the first witness experience that we had of it. Apart from, I guess the rock being thrown. It seemed like it seemed like up to this point, it was kind of indifferent to people. It wasn't attacking them. Like this is my space. This is your space. Stay the fuck away. Yeah. So uh, most of the witnesses that talked to Mrs. Godfrey uh, indicated this creature seemed very wary of humans. It preferred not to be seen. Several of the witnesses believe the creature to be some kind of supernatural entity. Mrs. Godfrey stated in an interview that since the release of her book, she's had several sightings that seem to have a paranormal component, such as a sudden materialization, morphing shapes, or telepathic communication. The supernatural aspect has been confirmed by some Native American sources nearby that they have had similar run-ins with the creature that had all of these different things happening with it over the years. But the thing with that is that when it comes to these sightings, they come in threes most of the time. You do have paranormal happenings. You have the cryptid sightings and you have the UFO sightings. Yeah, but as someone who doesn't maybe believe or understand the umbrella theory, she may just be attributing these things all to the creature. Right. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, one very interesting account told Miss God, Mrs. Godfrey, I'm sorry, came from a bookstore clerk in Madison. He swears that he saw a wolf-headed human form morph into an ape-headed form under a streetlight on a residential street early morning. He was still very frightened when relating the tale to Godfrey. She went as far as paying for his hypnosis where he told the entire story. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that one. Cause we have, you know, the shapeshifter element there. Is that a different creature altogether or is it all the same creature? It just seems like there, there's an attempt being made to explain the unexplainable here. No, absolutely. And it seems to change siding to siding in very small details. It's like skinwalker. Yeah. It's like just just enough has changed to where it's a different encounter than the last. Exactly. And you can't really prepare for the next encounter because it keeps changing. Right. So it could be another trickster-esque element. And especially when it came to disturbing the Native American mounds. Yeah. That, that it could be a curse-like entity. Yeah. Which, I mean, depending on who you ask, that's what Mothman is as well. He's the result of a curse by Chief Cornstalk. Th- that's a very interesting component. The the I think we kind of just glazed over the fact that it was attacking a native American burial mound. Yeah. We didn't really touch on that much, but that's very, that that's, that's a very sacred space. Yeah. And it's a very unique detail of that story that I think might add some validity towards it. Right. So uh, when the history channel investigated the beast of Bray road for its series monster quest, they subjected all witnesses, all witnesses to do lie detector tests of two different types. One at the local FBI field office and one done by the history channel. Damn, they got some strings. All of them passed. Every single witness passed. Now, granted, we've talked about this before. Polygraphs are inadmissible in court. They can, they be, can faked. be faked. But you you have to imagine the average person is unaware of how to fake a lie detector test. Right. Unless they're Googling it right before they go in. It's Yeah. 
pretty inconvenient to want to make your story that believe that much. Exactly. So even though uh, there's been tons of sightings since the 50, 50 years have passed uh, since the Bray Road has been like brought to light, people have no idea what this thing is. Everyone's kind of guessing. They've had scientists come out there. Several people that like best-selling offers have gone out there and said, well, this kind of sounds like X, Y, and Z. I mean, it keeps changing. It could yeah. be anything at this fucking rate. And so I think that's what's that's what is so interesting to most people is that it seems over the years as humans are adapting and changing and evolving. So is it. The creature's doing the same thing. Right. So now I want to, that's basically all I have on the Beast of Bray Road specifically, but I want to turn our heads to another part of this investigation. So as Brittany referenced earlier, these things typically come in threes. You usually won't have a cryptid sighting without a poltergeist nearby and a UFO. So I start doing some digging and I look through the National UFO Archives. There's not a whole lot in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. There's a fuckload in the state of Wisconsin. They have over 13 reported and confirmed sightings each year, which stood out to me. I didn't know Wisconsin was a UFO hotspot. Yeah, and I know it is hard on certain websites to have a confirmed sighting because there are yeah. still investigators that go out and do personal interviews. Yeah, so what's interesting is this, uh, the website that I'm on here is ufowisconsin.com and they're very similar. What is the Bigfoot reporting website? Do you remember? BFRO. Yeah, so they're very similar to BFRO where they actually send folks out to talk to these people one-on-one. Yeah, if, if they believe it's a credible enough story, they will come out and talk to you. Yeah, so there were about 15 sightings around Elkhorn two of which were confirmed by investigators. And in one of these, the investigator also saw similar lights. These, both of these sightings happened within a five mile vicinity of uh, Bray road. And the other, oh, other thing before I, I guess I go into the UFO side is the beast of Bray road has been spotted everywhere in the Midwest. Oh, so it's not just there. No. And that's the weird thing is there are spottings in Indiana and in Kentucky and in uh, Virginia. Not there was none in West Virginia, but in Virginia, now, my question is, are they confusing the generalized term dog man with the beast of Bray Road? Because they are trying to attribute a lot of different types of yeah. creature activity to him. Yeah, that, her. that was where my mind went as well as a, someone is someone misidentifying the unidentifiable. Right. So, <laughs> Which is crazy to say, but, you know, it, yeah. it, we could put them in the, the umbrella of dog man or werewolf exactly so i don't know because the weird thing is um i tried to find an instance where like one of the initial reporters of the 50 people that, that are considered like credible, credible sources. sources they didn't see it outside of the state or even really outside of that area so it was really hard for me to say definitively yes this thing has been cited but allegedly it has been cited all over the u.s or all of the midwestern u.s i should say so I'm only going to include, because we're kind of pressed for time, one of these reports, but again, it's it, this is one that was kind of um, gone out and assessed by the curator of this website. So the, this is on February 26, 2003 at 6.30 p.m. in Elkhorn, Elkhorn Wisconsin. Uh, there was a very large object with horizontal lights moving seemingly forward and then backwards. There were two quote-unquote aircrafts. Uh, aircraft looking objects with white, red, and maybe green lights heading towards one another at a high rate of speed. My girlfriend and I both witnessed this and said, oh my God. Expecting to see some type of collision, they seemed to either go through each other or just barely miss. Then one of them quickly turned a complete 180 and began chasing the other object at a high rate of speed. It caught up very quickly and was right on his ass. They were getting farther away when the second one was straight and the larger one started to just circle around it at a high rate of speed. Then we lost track of it. I drove off on the side of the road two different times as we witnessed a strange, undescribable sighting. I can relate. Yeah. There were many other smaller plane-like objects in the sky at the same time. I can't imagine that we're the only ones who witnessed something tonight. There was something going on, maybe military, but I know of no aircraft that's capable of turning around in midair or just changing direction instantly. Or circling around another craft as it moves rapidly. He says we were not drinking or anything else. It was just one of those unexplained things for right now. I hope if others did see this, they tell someone or post it on this site. So the investigator goes out because apparently he lived nearby. He, as he walks out his front door, sees a large craft circling another one outside of his front door. Oh, shit. So he gets in his car and he's chasing this thing the best he can. 
I can also relate. (laughs) Well, guess where this craft just happens to go and then land behind the trees, allegedly. Briar Road. Bray Road. Bray Road, excuse me. I read this and he said that it, you know, it chased it and it progressively got lower and lower to the ground to the point that you would think you could hear something. But it was completely silent. Completely silent, no signs of propulsion, nothing. And it chased this thing up until it started approaching Bray Road. Then they both kind of straightened out and dropped beyond the trees. So he does, he's not saying it definitively landed. But it just went beyond visibility. Yeah, it went beyond visibility. So pretty pretty weird that you have a UFO sighting. And the other thing is uh, there's uh, what's interesting is there's another sighting, and I won't, I won't tell that other sighting, explaining the exact same thing from a different person in Elkhorn at 6.45 p.m. on February 26th. Interesting. So you had two reported sightings and then one confirmed by from the, the investigator from the investigator. And the other weird thing is I looked up just UFO sightings, strange lights, all that kind of stuff. Elkhorn city seems to be a hot spot for strange lights in the sky, ball lightning reports, basically everything. They, they have a, uh, I believe in Elkhorn, it was a haunted, like it was like a Coliseum ask thing, but it was a museum. And it was haunted. And it was supposedly haunted by this poltergeist that they had like Roman helmets and stuff brought in. They would get thrown all around. They would come in. Stuff would randomly be like, they would, they would completely organize a shelf. And it'd be completely disorganized in a different way, different yeah. spots. So they had a poltergeist like report in town. You have the beast of Bray road. Now you have UFOs. There's your trifecta. That's your coming in threes as Brittany talked about earlier. Right. So here's the other weird thing. I'm not going to go off the article. There was four different things on Reddit that discussed strange men in suits showing up after this Bray Road incident incident sort of kind of exploding in popularity. Let me guess. You didn't actually see what you saw asking questions about it. Who is this Lori article journalist? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. We're reading a book right now. Is they were known to come up to the, to witnesses and say, well, what did you see? Oh, well, uh, you know, they explained the story to these people because some of them said we were from the air force. Some supposedly said, Hey, we're from the local news newspaper. Some said we're from the state police department. Uh, what did you see? We're just here to investigate. You're not in any trouble. We want you to feel comfortable, but just what, what did you see? At least they learned a little bit to say, yeah, we want to make you feel comfortable. Not just, yeah. you didn't see it. You don't know. So here's the weird thing is all, all of these men. So this, they, they approach, I think four different witnesses. witnesses. They all had pictures of a great Pyrenees dog and said, well, this is actually what you saw. This is the, we, you know, we, we actually surveyed the area. We found it. There's a roving pack of these out there. This is what you saw. And the one woman who saw the boulder being thrown said, that's fine. What kind of a dog can throw a fucking boulder at my car? <laughs> and appar- apparently the, the, this person said, look, you're not to tell this story. Bitch, and try she, me. Well, she said, too bad. It's already in print. I guess slammed the door on the guy's face. Good for her. So again, now. You go, Glen Coco. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that a Mean Girls reference? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So my my issue with this is, is simple. This had been posted like 10 plus years ago on Reddit. These are archive posts that I'd use the Wayback Machine to find. Right. Because the subreddit's been since shut down. It was like, it, it was interesting because it was a local Elkhorn City. Or Elkhorn, I'm sorry. Elkhorn subreddit for Wisconsin. My problem is we see this all the time pop up where somebody wants their minute in the spotlight. So they will then attribute this crazy sighting with something even more crazy and unbelievable. Well, it's like that entire Reddit post that we read about the, the schoolhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a courthouse or whatever it was. I don't know how to feel about this. My, my problem is, and I can, I guess, be honest with you guys. There's too many parallels with Point Pleasant here. You had this mysterious beast right outside of town, a local news reporter turned author, popularized the sighting. Then you have UFOs and then the men in black show up. This is a direct parallel with Point Pleasant, West Virginia, what happened back in 1966. Right. And the timeline was right after what happened with Mothman, wasn't it? So, well, the original sighting with this is 1936. Right. But as we know, especially if you watch some Mothman documentaries, Mothman happened before way before 1966 as well. So these timelines are pretty much one-to-one the attribute of native Americans in both. That's also, I mean, that's not uncommon because you know, they were here before us. They were everywhere, you know, but again, the, the attribute of native Americans being tacked on it, just it, again, I'm not saying that nothing happened out there. I, I fully believe that they are seeing some kind of a creature out there, but it's 
a little far-fetched to think that exactly what happened in Point Pleasant is reoccurring in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I mean, we already know the answer. It's a weather balloon. No. Oh, what? It's there for the cheese. It's it's there for the Wisconsin cheese. And you guys can look forward to that joke for our Wisconsin United Strangers of America. I love it. So before we go, Miss Brittany, what are your thoughts? Because again, we kind of covered a lot. And the problem with the Beast of Bray Road, unlike Mothman, Mothman has this like legend behind him where there's a bunch of different information. You can easily do like a two hour episode on Mothman realistically. The Beast of Bray Road has more firsthand sightings and, and assumingly, you know, credible firsthand sightings of Mothman, but there's not a whole lot of information. You don't know where he lives, you know, around Bray Road, but this guy apparently can swim and throw giant rocks and has telepathy. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think maybe some of it's a little bit more misconstrued or do you think there's validity to everything? Uh, I mean, you can't really say it's, it's the two brains always working. Either it's all true or you can dissect it apart. Yeah. I think it's within the realm of possibility when it comes to high strangeness. I do think some of his attributes could have been misinterpreted to fear and brain reaction. Okay. uh, Such as a hypnosis and things like that. But I don't know. I think it's possible. I think it having a well-established history or something similar when it comes to Native American culture and when it comes to um, settlers who also came into the area, I think that adds more validity than some others, other stories we've heard. But I don't know. It's tough. And, and again, like, you know, I'm a big fan. You guys need your shot, shots ready here. I'm a big fan of John Keel. And John Keel speaks in lengths. You know, the, the comparisons between the Braxton County um, Flatwoods monster and what happened over in... Uh, Point Pleasant? No, no, no. What happened with the Kentucky Goblins, there's a lot of carryover attributes. I'm not saying the exact same thing's not happening because, you know, we do know the men in black have been everywhere. And it's usually after a, a rash of UFO sightings. So... I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying it is a little weird that it's such a similar story to Point Pleasant. I'm just glad they knew better than to come after us when we had our sighting. <laughs> well, I would have invited him in and then trapped him in the basement. <laughs> Call him Matthew like, listen, yeah. granddad, listen, I, I know you know them hills. We got we got something for you and fucking hog tied him in the back of this SUV. See, that's that's where you have to you get into a conversation about morality like are we morally obligated to let the men in black continue or will they fall into the same kidnapping laws as if I kidnapped a businessman? <laughs> that's, that's what we need to figure out. What are the cryptid rights? Fair enough. So with that being said, Miss Brittany, unless you have anything else that you'd like to add, I do not. I think we're gonna have to add the beast of Bray road to our never ending, but are always growing tales from the dark. <laughs>